Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. Of the Run to Daylight podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burroughs. We are once again sponsored by Fanball, home of the MFL 10. Uh, more states, more options, and more fun. 2018 Best Ball Leagues, MFL 10s and 20s, live drafts, everything you could want. Uh, I'm up to about 80 drafts each. Uh, 80 drafts each. Um, that would be pretty good if there were two of me. Um, I'm up to about 80 drafts, and uh, we're well along in the season. And it's time once again to check on ADP, and that means the boys are back. And Mike C. Oliva, the boys are back, and we're talking ADP. You can find Dan Williamson at Overhype Sleeper on Twitter, and there's no final E in Sleeper. And Mike C. Oliva on Twitter. Catch them both. They are really good at best ball, and we're going to go through a lot of the opportunities and pitfalls that are out there in the world of best ball on Fanball MFL 10s. Guys, how are you today? Dan? Doing great, Todd. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited awesome, to be uh, joining you and Mike both. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I promised you guys we would do this a couple times, and this is our second time. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm loving the new sound effects. Uh, I'm really digging them. <laughs> Absolutely. You're, now you're, we get a theme song. You're really, uh, you're really enjoying it, right, Mike? Oh, it's quite, it's really <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, instead of helping you to have, we're hoping to have uh, a little bit more help for this. Yeah, and, uh, and 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 we're all hoping for more of these guys in the in our in our in our draft. So uh, now that we've got the sound effects, Mike's officially been blown up for the first time. We can talk about uh, some of the great opportunities that are out there, some of the pitfalls. We'll talk about over and undervalued players. But we'll start with some of the overvalued players that both of you agree are pitfalls. And the first one's a little bit of a surprise, so I'm going to let Mike go first and give his thoughts on Mike Evans and why 
he is overvalued. Well, I think the whole thing, and, and I'm not – I just want to preface this by saying, you know, I don't think he's not a great player. I'm just saying he's being drafted ahead of certain guys that he may not necessarily outperform. And, you know, my argument for that is they've made an effort. They, they're talking about getting Deshaun Jackson the ball more. They still have Cameron Gray, who they just gave about $500 million to. Jose Howard's healthy. Uh, Chris Godwin is, is doing really well. They're talking about how he's earned the opportunity to start. So there is going to be more competition for targets. And, you know, Mike Evans is a player who always, since he came into the league, has just gotten insane volume. And, you know, last year wasn't a strong year. He didn't do much, you know, relative to his potential. His touchdown numbers were way down. And I just don't see him having another one of those 1,200-yard, 12 TD seasons this year. Dan, uh, you feel the same way? Do you want to add to any points that Mike made of, might have missed? No, I, I'm pretty much the same. I'm I'm concerned about the volume. You know, I do think the TV, TDs will bounce back a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I look at seven or eight guys drafted right after him, and I, I can tell myself a story pretty easily where they finish in front of him. And I have a hard time, uh, you know, with a, with a guy who just doesn't really have any run after the catchability from what we've seen in the pros, he catches the ball and falls down. So um, it's, hard to, it's hard to push him up that high. So basically like you right after a few drinks. Right, yes, yes. <laughs> and um, we're going to go to the catches the, the ball, Todd. I probably wouldn't. <laughs> we're going to go to the Todd from PA um, average draft position sponsored by Mike Beer's Best Ball Command Center, MFL 10 Exposure Tour uh, report. I've got uh, only four Mike Evans for 5%, so I am, by my action, agreeing with both Dan and Mike. And I don't feel good about it. I mean, you know, it just seems to me that he's right there with A.J. Green, and most of the time it seems like both of them are there or I, I want a running back. So, uh, you know, I think Evans fits the profile of that kind of Hopkins guy last year who was a, t- a first-round pick who slipped off a bad year. But the run-after-a-catch thing bothers me as well. Um, I've got 13% of A.J. Green, and, you know, I've got him pretty close, but I just feel better about A.J. Green. So, um, next player, we'll start with Dan, and it is T.Y. Hilton. Now, I think I know what's coming here. Um, I, I guess you feel like uh, T.Y. is going to be out of luck. Uh, yes, that's exactly it. I'm, you know, it, we're 98 days before the start of the season. Andrew Luck Wait, is still not on. throwing a football. Hold, um, on. hold on one second. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Where did it go? Where did it go? Um, looks like you think he's going to be out of luck. <laughs> oh, man. Am I, am I on with the pod father? I thought this was Todd, not pod. 
Um, you don't know how crazy I am. I just most of the time keep it pretty straight. But uh, new job, new life, new uh, craziness going on. We're going for, you know, it is called the Run to Daylight Football Fun Cast, and I kind of got away from that as time went on. But go ahead, Dan. Okay. So anyway, um, you know, luck is still not throwing a football, and that, that really concerns me now that we're, you know, we're less than 100 days from the start of the season, um, you know, and once once he gets into a game, I mean, he's not only got to be able to throw a football, but he's got to be able to, you know, rifle it in there when he needs to and, you know, throw it with, a, you know, some good mustard on it. And, you know, he's just not even throwing it at all. I understand he's throwing, you know, weighted balls and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know what that means, I, you know. It sounds dirty. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, so – Everybody's drafting Hilton. Basically, you know, he's maybe at a tiny discount is it from where he would be if we knew that Luck was coming back for sure. But it's not a big one, and it's certainly nothing like uh, what I would expect um, I would need um, if Brissett is going to be the quarterback for him. I think, you know, if Brissett's a quarterback, he's probably a low-end wide receiver, too, at best, and he's being drafted well above that. Mike, uh, your turn. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Uh, it's funny you started with those two guys because in 92 leagues, I have zero T.Y. Hilton and zero Mike Evans, and oh, I'm wow. okay with that. Um, T.Y. Hilton, honestly, it, it all depends on luck, and he's, you know, to Dan's point, he's just not throwing literally. football. Literally not throwing football. And no, I mean, it's literally going to – he's literally counting on luck. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, you know, he, he – Almost reached a thousand yards last year with Jacoby Brissett, but you know, I mean, is that really what you want from you know an early third round pick? Is to maybe reach a thousand yards with not a lot of TD upside. He's not a big guy. He's not a red zone guy. Um, so I, I just don't see it. You know, I don't see it unless luck comes back. And right now, I don't have a lot of faith luck is going to be a hundred percent if he comes back at all. Yeah, I've been uh, I'm I'm at uh 9% on Hilton and a good bit of that I think is when I've gone three wide receivers to start and I like him as a third wide receiver um and I think you know when he falls more towards the end of the uh round um I mean my average discount isn't big it's one pick but um you know my personal ADP is pick 34 which is the end of uh, the third round. And I, I feel pretty good about him there. I feel like, you know, he, yeah, we're counting on Luck, but he, if he gets six or seven good games out of Andrew Luck, so I, I'm right around even weight on him, and I'm okay with that uh, because he does have a lot of potential. But I also see why you guys are not on him. The, the the last guy we'll cover that you both agree on is Kelvin Benjamin, and we're going to let Mike take this one. Um, this one's really simple to me. He's literally the only wide receiver in Buffalo. I mean, someone has to catch the ball. By just existing, he's going to get well over 100 targets, assuming he stays healthy. Um, granted, we don't know if it's going to be McCarron or Peterman, attempting to throw the ball to him, but somebody's got to catch the ball. He's the only show in town. 
Um, you know, Charles Clay will get some, and, and McCoy, of course. But I, he's a mortal lock for over 100 targets if he's healthy. He's a, always been a great guy in the red zone. You know, he's currently going in the 10th, sometimes 11th round. I, I really like the upside. If he stays healthy just by existing, he's going to have a, a good season that it's going to provide a solid return on, on a 10th or 11th round draft. Dan? Yeah, I mean, uh, I I 100% agree with everything that Mike said, you know, and right now he's going as about the wide receiver 46, and last year, despite all the problems that he had, he finished as the wide receiver 46. So, you know, and I, I think he's going to have a better year this year. Um, he he was very lightly used in Buffalo. He was struggling with injuries and everything. So, you know, I, I think at, at worst you're getting him at value, and there's room to, to grow from there. Yeah, and I, um, I've only got uh, 2% of him, which surprises me because I know I took some of him early, and I guess it was very early, and I stopped. Um, you know, you both mentioned the injuries, and – I mean, they're a concern. He's he's a guy who has, you know, just not been healthy. And, you know, and he's a big guy, too. So when you've got knee issues and you're running around and you're, you know, 270 pounds, and I, I know that might, you know, I'm guessing there, but if you take a look at him, um, I, I can't disagree with anything you said, and I'm not down on him. Like 2% would make you believe that I'm down on him. But, you know, I'm finding Jordy Nelson sometimes almost at the same range that I'm finding, um, you know, Sterling Shepard. Uh, and, and then the quarterbacks, you've got Garoppolo and Stafford and and Kenny Stills is right there with him. Ben is right there. Rivers, uh, Rashard Matthews is not far behind him. So um, I'm not down on Benjamin like 2% would make you believe. I just keep finding myself drafting someone else. So um, that's my thoughts there. Uh, we'll let, uh, let Dan uh, counter what I just said. Well, I don't disagree with uh, with anything that you said. I mean, you know, the good news is I believe he's met, ed, eligible for uh, Medicaid this year. So, um, you know, at least he should be able to get plenty of uh, health care. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, um, I I just feel like he's a he's a relatively good value. You know, anytime I can get the wide receiver one for a team even a bad team, if I can get him that late, I'm just going to go ahead and take a stab at it. I don't want to be super overweight on him, but I definitely don't want to be underweight either. Yeah, the guy that I'm, I'm, I'm taking a lot of a few rounds later is a guy that we'll discuss later. He's on our list. So we're going to move on to some players that you two disagree on, and I'm going to let um, Dan go first. And we're going to discuss Marquise Desaad Goodwin. <laughs> okay. Uh, my, my case for Goodwin is, is very simple. Um, last year, Pierre Garçon got hurt early in the year. Goodwin w- really wasn't doing that much before Garçon got hurt. And, um, you know, it wasn't really until after the injury that he started to blossom. Now they've got uh, Garçon back. Um, they just 
uh, got Dante Pettis, who they spent a high draft pick, traded up to get. You know, I know they're going to want to get him involved. So, you know, I feel like Goodwin's probably going to be involved early. But the other thing is Goodwin's had about six concussions during his career. I mean, he is he, – any hit could end his season. Um, and that makes me very, and very nervous. And he's had some really bad ones. Like yes, scary. He, he is not a big guy, so you know if he gets, you know, all it takes is a a safety who's able to line him up and and crush him, and you know it could be uh, end of the season for him, and that's that's unfortunate. But uh, I I just don't feel comfortable taking that risk. Mike, point counterpoint. Well, my counterpoint is this: in the five games he played with Jimmy Garoppolo, he had double digits in every single game except Jacksonville which, you know, isn't that bad considering what they do to wide receivers. You know, he put up 29 catches for 384 yards and a touch, um, you know, uh, in five games with Jimmy G. Now, granted, Garcon's coming back, but, I mean, he pretty much proved that he's a solid guy and he can be a wide receiver too. He's a deep threat, and clearly he impressed them enough that they were willing to give him a $20 million contract. So he's definitely still going to be a, a big part of what is a rising offense. And, you know, it's not like he's going super early at this point. I mean, right now his ADP is he's a wide receiver 37 going at pick 84. Uh, that's, that's for a guy who touched 1,000 yards last year, not bad. I mean, his production is comparable to T.Y. Hilton. He's going about 50 picks fat higher. So, I, I think it's a good outlook for him. Well, I, uh, I'm going to break the tie in favor of Dan on this one. I only own 2% of Mr. Goodwin, uh, pretty much for the reasons that Dan has mentioned. Early on, Goodwin was going in the sixth round, and uh, Garcon was going pretty, you know, two, three rounds later. So I've got 9% Garcon. I wish I had a little bit more. I think he's the better, safer play at pretty similar ADPs. If it wasn't for the concussions, I probably would have more. But between not being sure and um, the concussions, I've just found other players in uh, in that range. And even, like I say, I like like, uh, Garcon, but, you know, around that time – Cam Newton in the eighth round. I've seen Tom Brady. I mean, I own 15 Tom Brady at an average of uh, pick 79. And Goodwin is going lately at 85. So, and Garcon's at 77. And again, this is this is uh, this is just recent ADP. So, and and Cam is at uh, ADP of 89. Another guy I'm drafting a ton of in this area lately is Kyle Rudolph at ADP 87. So that's kind of why just no good win for me. The next guy, and we're gonna let uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, I think this is an interesting one. 
Dan thinks that Marcus Mariota is being under underdrafted, while Mike thinks that his number one wide receiver Corey Davis is being overdrafted. This should be fun. Who wants to go first on this one? Uh, let's go with who has Corey Davis. Mike. I do. I just have one quick thing about Goodwin. You mentioned Garcon was safer, and I agree with that. But for basketball, I think Goodwin's much better suited. So when he played the Giants on November 12th, he had one catch, 83 yards for a touchdown. Goodwin is that typical splash, spike, weak kind of guy. And I think for best ball, there's going to be weeks where he's useless, but there are going to be those weeks where he catches that long bomb, and that's pretty good for best ball. So that's something where if it was a typical redraft league, I don't know that I go all in on Goodwin, but in basketball, I like him more. The, the only thing I'll say is that we didn't see Garcon with Jimmy G, so right. um, th- there's a certain amount of uncertainty there. But uh, let's go on to the Corey Davis. All right. So I think he's being overdrafted heavily. Last year, 34 catches, 375 yards, no touchdowns. I think what a lot of people remember was the playoff game against the Pats, five for 63 and two TDs. But the reality is right now he's being drafted at wide receiver 31. So he's essentially a wide receiver three. And he hasn't really shown much. There's still a lot of other people there. Matthews is there, Delaney Walker, Jonah Smith. Um, You know, Henry is now going to be the grinder back. Deion Lewis was brought in as more of a pass down. And that's a team that is kind of that, you know, quote-unquote smash mouth exotic running style. So it's not like Mariota is going to throw 600 passes over the course of the year. Um, I just I don't really see why everyone's facing him as a wide receiver three because you know I don't see that feeling for him. Dan, you don't you weren't Corey Davis wasn't on your hit list, but Mariota was. Do you tell us why you like Mariota and do you like him in spite of Davis or partially because of Davis? I would say partially because of Davis, not necessarily in spite of Davis. Um, You know, my my thoughts on it are kind of intertwined. You know, number one, Corey Davis was the first wide receiver drafted. He went with the top ten pick last year. Um, And, uh, you know, so the Titans have a lot of incentive to get something out of Corey Davis. You know, they're heavily invested. He's going to get plenty of chances. He's going to get plenty of targets. And uh, on Rotoviz, they've done a lot of research lately. Uh, Blair Andrews has been putting out a series of articles, and one of the things that he's come up with is how the uh, second-year wide receivers are the ones who tend to take the jump. You know, the third-year jump is really kind of a, a myth. It doesn't really happen as much. And the second-year jump is the one you want not to look anymore. for. Yeah. It used yeah, to be Yeah, it a used thing. to, but not, yeah, now it's, it's really a second-year jump. And, and you know, and uh, Corey Davis did have that one good game in the playoffs, you know, which signaled that he was healthy. So if he has a healthy off season, uh, you know, I expect that they're going to, they're going to try to feed him the targets. And the other thing is, you know, they have a, a completely different offense. You know, the, the exotic smush mouth or whatever it was is, is gone. And it's been uh, smushed. yes, it has been smushed. And uh, in its place, you know, we have the offensive coordinator from uh, the Rams coming over. And I think that he's going to be he able to unlock right? Mary. Yeah, 
he's he's going to be able to unlock Mariota a little bit more. Uh, my hope is that he lets Mariota run a little bit more because when he does, I mean, Mariota then has put up some big, big stats. I think he's much more dangerous when he's allowed to, you know, run around a little bit back there. And I think they'll just be doing a little bit more throwing, not necessarily uh, grinding away. Uh, they'll probably be safer passes, but that's fine. Dan kind of mentioned a couple, uh, you know, couple of, two of the three reasons that I like Davis. I'm not going crazy on him at ADP. I have 11%. I wouldn't mind a little more. I've got 14% of Mariota. I was a little slow on Mariota early because I was buying a lot of Mahomes, but Mahomes has moved up like a round or two. And right. Mariota's just still sitting there, so now I'm I'm getting my uh, and that and and we talk about ADP and how to play ADP over the long haul. Uh, that's a perfect example of how playing the board. Um, I felt like I was shocked that Mahomes wasn't being drafted higher earlier with all those weapons and his big arm and his legs, and you know I got the fear, but I had a lot of Mahomes early, but now that his ADP went up two rounds, all of a sudden that feeling I had that he was, you know, now I am a little more concerned about the downside. Um, and if I can get Mariota a round or two later, that's that's a good deal. Um, last thing I'll throw in on Corey Davis and why I like him. Uh, Dan touched on it a little bit. It has to do with the fact that um, he was the first uh, wide receiver picked. Uh, he came out of a smaller conference, and he was dinged up a tremendous amount his rookie year. And uh, Dan also mentioned that there, it's not going to be a smush mouth as much. And Davis ha- is one of those guys, you know, everyone wants to wait until the guy actually does it, right? But if he does it, he's going to be a second-round pick next year. So I think he's one of the few guys you can draft in that range who you could say has the talent and the upside to give you second-round performance, and that's why I want to be, uh, you know, overweight a little bit on Corey Davis without going uh, crazy. Mike, I'm going to give you the last thought on this one since I just pretty much, you know, disagreed with everything you said. Um, I mean, it's just it's a, a personal thing. I, I think there's a lot of recency bias. Because the last time we saw him, he was kind of like You don't like guys named Corey? (laughs) A little bit. It's a personal thing. You got the Corey. (laughs) He was lighting up the past, and I think that's fresh in people's minds. But, you know, I just – it's not that I have anything against him. It's really his ADP and the guys around there that I would much rather take. You know, again, going back to exposure, exposure, I have zero shares of Corey Davis. I just don't like the price. Uh, I, fair I enough. even uh, wait on him. Dan and I kind of disagree. I think Dan and I are on the same page here that we're sli- slightly overweight on him, uh, but we like the Titans in general. I, a lot of people are really trendy on Richard, and I was high on Richard last year, but Richard just looked okay last year. I think Corey Davis really has that game-changing ability and I would rather be slightly overweight than slightly underweight on a guy like that. Um, and I get everything else you said about him. So we're going to move on to two guys that you both love that I haven't been touching at all, uh, and you know, for the most part. And that's Marvin Jones and uh, Golden Tate. Um, 
And what's interesting is you both are on these two guys, but you didn't mention Stafford being a value. So, Dan, take it first. Why do you like these two guys? And um, are you also taking him with uh, Stafford or no? I am super high on those two guys, and I can express it very simply. Um, Last year, Golden Tate was wide receiver 14 on the season. Marvin Jones was wide receiver 12. You are getting Golden Tate at wide receiver 23. You're getting Marvin Jones at wide receiver 24. I mean, I just I cannot see what has changed about the, the Detroit offense that's going to substantially change that. I mean, you know, yeah, they might not. Oh, I can. I can. 14, but I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to let you finish first. Okay. And, you know, I know, yeah, we've got on Johnson. We've got uh, LeGarrette Blount. I mean, I don't even know if Blount is going to. I'm I'm not super high on Blount. I I worry about whether he'll even make the team. I mean, he's he can fall into the end zone, but um, I, he may have to do more than that to make the team. And um, so, you know, I I think that so you have a center a pretty good value on uh, both Golden Tate and uh, Marvin Jones. And as far as Stafford, I felt I feel like Stafford is fairly valued because when you look at what you've got to pay to get to Stafford. Uh, that says that the passing game is going to be strong. But then when you look at uh, the prices on Golden Tate and um, and Marvin a- Marvin Jones, that says that the passing game is not going to be strong. So, uh, you know, I kind of tend to side with I think that the, the Stafford is fairly valued, and uh, that makes Tate and Jones undervalued. All right. Uh, Mike, did, uh, did he miss anything on the two guys that you like? Um, just a couple things. So I – in terms of exposure, I love Stafford. I have uh, 25.6% of them. Um, wow. Just going back to 2011, he's had one season under 300 fantasy points, um, and he has had I have a five over 320. Last year it was at 318. Um, he's as consistent as they come, doesn't miss games. You know, he's a lot for 300 points, which is kind of the, what I look for in a quarterback. As for Jones and Tate, I'm a 23% of Jones, 12% on Tate. Uh, you know, Dan said it. You know, these guys were top 15 wide receivers that you're getting at, you know, I think wide receiver 24 or whatever it was. Um, right. And, and Jones led the NFL in yards for reception last year. Uh, basically was, you know, in fact, a wide receiver one who you're getting in the fifth round. Um, I, I, I just it blows my mind. I mean, I I could honestly make an argument why he should be a late third-round pick, and I actually like him more than some of the guys in the late third, specifically the T.Y. Hilton kind of a person that's floating around in there. All right, so here's my counterpoints to what you both said. Um, I'm not against either of them. I think Tate is fair fair value where he is, no doubt. But you mentioned the last time about, you know, guys who don't, you know, Tate doesn't tend to put up those big games, but he is a very consistent guy. Um, but he's going around where Ajayi, Jarvis Landry is right in between Tate and Jones, Edelman's right there, guys, you know, who who've, I, I think are good. Uh, DT and Josh Gordon seem to drop there. 
I find Allen Robinson dropping. I've, I've gotten a couple uh, Jeffries shares in the fifth recently. So, again, I'm not against these guys, but I just, uh, I'm underweight on both of them, about 4%. Uh, the interesting thing I will say about the Detroit offense is, Again, you've got the same coordinator, but you've got a different head coach. And I, I think they're going to run the ball more. I, I really do. They weren't effective with it. They, you know, Abdul was never uh, good at being a running back. He never showed after that preseason, his rookie year, that flash we saw in the preseason that year. I think Carrion Johnson, I think that uh, Blount is uh, Blunt is – um, maybe not as good near the end zone as we all think he is, but I, I just think they're going to run the ball. It'll be a little more balanced, and I just I feel like Marvin Jones had his career year, and the biggest reason is Kenny Galladay. I love Kenny Galladay. I don't have a ton of him, but I really like Galladay, and he was out most of last year with an injury, and I, I think he's going to cut into both of their workloads just enough to where they go from being values to being, uh, you know, right around, you know, even weight without a lot of upside on top of it. And in the fifth round, I love to get guys who I think their floor is there but have the upside to be a lot more. So, uh, Mike, I'm going to let you counter my counter. Well, you have to remember that. Eric Ebron leaves behind uh, 85. So they can absolutely include Galladay in the offense and not really cut into Tater Jones' production. Uh, I mean, and I, I think that is actually part of the plan since they didn't go out and really get much of a tight end. They're still going with Michael Roberts, last year's fourth rounder, and I think they signed Bells or someone else who's primarily a blocking back. Um, so I think the what you're going to see happen is the targets that we're going to Ebron are going to flow to Galladay and Kate and Jones are going to kind of keep their roles. I think they'll go three wide more often. Yeah. Luke Wilson is there too. Um, but yeah, yeah he hasn't the- done much. So, all right. That, that's a fair counterpoint. Um, let's go to the Miami Dolphins because I know one of you had Devonte Parker as a down I think it was Dan had Kenny Stills as an up, and Albert Wilson, one of you liked as well. Dan, take that whole situation and talk about who you like and who you don't on the Dolphins. Okay. Yeah, I, I just I like Kenny Stills because he's one of those guys, he's kind of a, you know, Richard Matthews type who, you know, it seems like the team is always trying to replace him. They're always trying to get away from him They're, and and they always end up throwing them the ball because they're good. They're just good. And, you know, Kenny Stills is just good. And I, at that range of the draft, if I can get a player that I'm confident is, you know, a good player, I know he's going to command targets. Um, Jarvis Landry left, and that opens up a whole lot of targets. Uh, Devontae Parker, you know, when he, when he, the next time he breaks out will be the first time he breaks out. So we're still waiting for that. He's more one. likely at this point to break out in the hives. It it could be. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's just, you know, I 
I, I'm not saying he can't break out. He certainly could, but you know, I guess I would just rather put the bet on uh, the player who has already broken out and that uh, his quarterback knows he can rely on, and that we know isn't going to be on the training table, which is where Parker spent a lot of time. Um, and then you know, there's the Albert Wilson thing. I I don't have a strong opinion either way on it. You know, I know that everybody wants to assign a lot of Landry's targets over to Wilson. I think you've got issues with uh, Amendola is also there, so there could be dividing up targets there. Um, and also, I mean, it was just Gase doesn't really use a slot receiver that much. Last year was the first year where we Other really saw him. Landry there, right? Right, and that and that I think was more based on, you know, who do you have? Who is who is your player? Um, you know, who's who's good? And Landry's good, so he used him, and now Landry's gone, so you know. I think there's going to be a lot of targets up for grabs there. Um, you know, I'm not down on Parker. I'm not down on Wilson. I'm not down on anybody, but I'm definitely up on Stills. All right, Mike, take the Dolphins. Uh, so I, I feel the same way about Stills and Parker. Um, you know, we've heard so much about Parker, and they finally said, I believe it was two days ago, um, you know, we're just going to take it day by day because the last few years, We've just been trying to will him to be good, and it, it's not working. Um, so when the coaches say that, that especially at this point in the offseason, that's really not what you want to hear. Um, the guy I am really high on is Albert Wilson. Um, in terms of exposure, I own 43.6% on him. Wow. Um, he is, 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 my, that, is that all? Yeah. <laughs> he is my pretty much – in the 17th and 18th round, that is a guy I take whenever he's available. If somebody reaches and grabs him in the 15th or 16th, then that's their prerogative. But if he's there, yeah, the then, you're, or then you're down to like 43%. Exactly. And, and there's a lot of reasons why. Uh, he graded out as a top 30 PFF receiver last year, um, put up 42 catches, 554 yards, three touchdowns, had a 67.7% catch rate. And, with Landry gone, that's 161 targets that Landry leaves behind. I mean, if Wilson gets 100 of those, he's going to return immense value on a 17th-round pick. And, and that's basically the way I look at it. Amendola's not a full-time guy, never has been. And I really feel that Wilson is going to come in there and be that safety blanket that, they, that used to be Landry. Hang All right, on, Todd. So I got to go get a pot holder so I can hold on to my phone here. It's starting to melt from the heat on that take. Woo! I know. Well, you know, he's not the only one. And, you know, that's what's so interesting about it is I've actually started taking a couple Wilsons, trying to work my way maybe up to at least even weight, because there's a lot of smart people like Mike who feel the same way. And, you know, I, I'm, I've been more, you know, I'm underweight on all the Dolphins, uh, except for Stills. I'm, I think I'm 9% on Stills, so that's basically even weight. Um, so they did sign Josh Sitton, who's a, pretty much a shell of his former self, and they have Laramie uh, Tunsil but, uh, and Juwan James, but Daniel Kilgore is the center, Jesse Davis, I guess is the, the right guard. Uh, Gusecki is there, too. And Tannehill's back at quarterback. I just have the feeling that this could be a really bad offense. Um, you know, I, I, I just 
think that that's my biggest concern is that Landry, you know, you mentioned how Landry, you know, he threw it to Landry because Landry was his best player. Now there isn't the best player. So I, I think that we'll, I think 100 targets is possible, um, but I could also see him catching, you know, 50, 60 balls for 600 yards and two touchdowns and never really giving you the type of weeks that you hope, Wilson. Um so I, I again I, I there's enough smart people doing it that I'm no longer just ignoring Wilson. Um and he did play a little bit better and then you get the the nice uh you know, you can't go just by a shout out at um OTAs, but it was just another point. So um I think that we've covered that one pretty good. Uh, we're going to go to a team that I am pretty high on, and we're going to let Mike go first. Uh, Gio Bernard and Andy Dalton made the list of undervalued players between the two of you. Mike, what's your take on the Bengals? Honestly, I—I I mean, I love Gio Bernard this year. I've got him at—I've got 36% of Bernard. Um, He's just someone who gets involved. You know, he gets some carries. He's a great receiving back. He's currently going in about the 12th or 13th round. Um, I think his exact ADP is, is running back 47. Um, and, and, frankly, a lot of that is that I don't have tremendous faith in Joe Mixon being an every-down superstar. And, and that's why I think Bernard is going to get play. Uh, Mike, your take on the Bengals? Um, I would say that <clears throat> I, I've i been struggling with Gio Bernard. He's one of those guys that I know I should be drafting, um, but it, I, I just kind of have a hard time based on where he's going and so forth like that. I mean, there's always other place, players that I'm chasing. So he's one of those players that I have to kind of force myself when he's there to think about, you know, is this a, is this a good spot? Can I pick up a share here? Can I keep myself, you know, relatively even weight with him? So, you know, I, I don't disagree with anything that Mike said, you know, I don't think that uh, Mixon is a slam dunk. I'm definitely taking some Mixon, but I don't want to be overweight on him. Uh, I'm definitely taking some geo. I don't want to be overweight on him, but um, overall, I do think that the, uh, the Bengals are going to be a team that comes back, um, I think they've they've done a fair amount to address their offensive line. I think that's going to help out uh, getting Eifert back, which, you know, it looks like he's on track to, to come back. Um, I think that's going to help them out. And, you know, the, the person that I see as being by far the best value on the Bengals is Andy Dalton. Um, you know, we like A.J. Green. We think he's great. We've got Joe Mixon way up there, too. And then Andy Dalton is languishing down at quarterback 26. And I just, you know, both those things can't be true. Either we're way too high on A.J. Green and uh, Joe Mixon, or we're way too low on Andy Dalton. And I think we're way too low on Andy Dalton. He's never finished worse than quarterback 18. And that's including the one year that he was injured for three games. And those are the only three games he's missed in his entire career. I mean, Andy Dalton to me is one of those super, super safe backups that you can get super late. You know, he's always there for your quarterback, too. And he gets spike weeks regularly, too. 
um, you know, yeah, he does have some bummer weeks, but he has those spike weeks that you want to have for best ball. So he's, to me, he's kind of the perfect quarterback too. He's somebody great to pair with, you know, like a Phillip Rivers or somebody who's pretty consistent. And then you just have uh, Dalton in there for the spike weeks and uh, kind of as your fallback. I love Dalton um, this year as well. Uh, but mainly, you know, if, if, I, if I take a Cam or a Brady, I think Dalton is just the per- – and I like Derek Carr too. Uh, but I think – and Mahomes early. So if I get Brady or Newton early, yeah. um, I'm, I'm, I love waiting on Dalton as my second guy. I'm overweight about 14%. And I, I, I think that Dalton doesn't handle pressure well. When someone has an off season, I want to know why, and I and I want to know that the reason has been addressed before. I just assume that it was an off year. Well, we know Dalton has never looked good under pressure. They let Andrew Whitworth go, and and they let uh, Zeitler go, and they went out and they uh, got the first. They signed, uh, traded for Cordy Glenn, and took a center with their first pick. I feel like the OL is going to be better. I think the whole Bengals team, except for Gio Bernard, is a value. And the reason I was not a Joe Mixon guy, um, and it had nothing to do with his uh, off-field behavior. Um, I'm, you know, I've said this before. When it comes to sports, I'm pretty Switzerlandy. Um, you know, if we're going to play the game, I'm going to play the players who are playing and not get. You know, someone would have to. You know, I don't know. That That's just my take on it. Um, and I just felt like him in the early third round was a great value. Now I think he's fair value. I think the one thing we learned when the new offensive coordinator came in was that they want Joe Mixon to be the guy. Gio Bernard's – his role really disappeared when Mixon was healthy, and it only emerged when Mixon was out. So could that change? Maybe. But I'm going to go by the facts of what I see. So I'm high on green. I'm high on Mixon. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely uh, good with Dalton. And I, I also, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll throw out some tight ends later, but I definitely like, um, I definitely like Tyler Eifert as a, as you know, a boomer bust. If you're drafting three tight ends, I think getting Eifert in the 14th round as your second tight end is just silly. So, um, who went first last time? I think it was Mike, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. So we're going to throw the the you know we're going to have to do a little bit of we only got 14 minutes left. So we're going to go over to the wide receiver position, Dan. Uh, I'm going to let you pick one player out of this group and tell me why you love them so much. Cam Meredith, Tyler Lockett, Tyrell Williams, Tavon Austin, or Geronimo Allison. Okay, I'll go with uh, with Cam Meredith. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's a slam dunk, but where he's at, uh, I don't think he needs to be a slam dunk. You can pick him up in about the 12th round or so. Uh and what I really, he's wide receiver 54. And what I really like is he is a, a wide receiver who has already broken out um, on a bad Chicago team with really some putrid quarterbacks throwing the ball to him. And, you know, yet he was able to rise above all that. And now he gets Drew Brees. I mean, to me, really, the only question is, is that knee healthy or is it not? 
and uh, we're we're hearing all the right things out of out of uh, the OTAs that the knee is healthy. That he's ahead of schedule and everything else. And you know, I just cannot imagine that uh, Drew Brees is going to have a weapon like that at his disposal and not use it. Um, you know, tight end is still a little bit of a black hole there. Um, you know, you got Ben Watson back, and you know, yeah, Ben Watson had a, a great season a couple of years ago with uh, with New Orleans. But he's also a couple of years older, and uh, you know, Cam Meredith also kind of he's that big slot guy, and uh, you know, so that kind of fits that end zone role. You know, that uh, Marcus Colston used to have, and so I think he's going to be one of those guys. I don't think Cam is going to be a wide receiver one ever, but I think. Uh, you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, somewhere in there. Um, you know, yeah, definitely. I think he's got a great shot at that. Awesome. Um, so we're doing the value, guys. I didn't mention that as we're going in by position. Uh, Mike uh, Lockett, Tyler, uh, Tyrell Williams, Tavon Austin, and Geronimo Allison. Uh, give give me some quick thoughts on these guys. So. Real quick, Tavon Austin currently going at 231. He's basically free. You can take him if you want him. Um, Dallas needs playmakers. You know, their wide receiver is Gallup, Hearn, Beasley, and Williams. It's not inspiring. Uh, tons of coach speak. They've talked about getting him two dozen touches a game and all this, uh, which isn't going to happen. But I think he's – I mean, he's a playmaker. He's a fast guy. No one ever doubted the speed. Um, I think they're going to work to, to scheme and get him the ball, and I think he's going to do well. Um, briefly touching on the other guys, Allison's the de facto number three for Green Bay. That's really all you need to say. If he holds on to that, and he's the number three wide receiver with Aaron Rodgers, he, he's going to do fine. And another guy going in the 18th round. Uh, Tyler Lockett, uh, Richardson, and Graham leaving. It's really just him and Baldwin. So clearly Lockett's going to get targets. And he's shown in the past when he gets targets and he's healthy, he can be very, very productive. Um, so I, I think he can do really well. And who was the, the fourth one? Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> we got to okay. move on to, uh, to quarterbacks in a second. I'm just going to throw in that I, I love Cam Meredith's value. I got 15% of him. I like Lockett. Um, I'm, I think um, – the injury to my boy Hunter Henry, which was a real gut punch, has opened up uh, Tyrell and Mike Williams. And uh, I just can't think of Tyrell without Al Zeidenfeld shooting uh, the gazelle uh, meme across Twitter's bow. But, uh, you know, I, I don't have Austin or Allison on my radar, but I could certainly see the reasons why. Uh, but uh, of that group, Meredith is is someone I I just think has, yeah, the injury. So I don't want to have thirty percent of them. But um, I, I feel like he's one of those guys who could give out fourth, fifth round value. Ingram's missing four games. They used the running backs more than they ever have before last year. If, if Meredith is healthy, I think he could put up real solid uh, numbers. So, Dan, uh, we got two quarterbacks to talk about. Pick one, uh, Alex Smith or Eli Manning. All right, I'll go with Eli. I know you're a Giants fan, uh, Todd, so we're going to talk about Eli. 
And again, here's another one of these things where you, you just look at draft positions and you go, this just does not add up. We're drafting Saquon Barkley in the first round, and we think part of the reason why we're doing that is because he's a really good pass catcher. We're drafting Odo Beckham Jr. in the first round. We're drafting uh, Evan Ingram in about you know the late fourth, early fifth round. You know every now and then he slips to the sixth, but he's somewhere in there. I mean he's basically the what number four or five tight end off the board. Uh, how can you have all of these players? You know, and Sterling mm-hmm. Shepard. You know he's he's getting drafted in kind of you know that tenth round area or so. How can you have all these players being drafted so high, and then you have Eli Manning? sitting there at quarterback 25. That makes no sense to me. So either we're way off on all those players or we're way off on Eli Manning. I tend to think we probably are off on Eli Manning. I mean, you know, he, he's not a great quarterback. He never will be a great quarterback. He's been <coughs> good enough. Um, and, you know, I don't expect him to, you know, be quarterback five at the end of the year or anything like that. But I think he's probably going to be, you know, quarterback 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there. So, you know, an, an easy profit on Eli Manning. And you can get him so late, so, so yep. late. And, uh, and, and Mike, I know you liked Eli, too. Anything that Dan missed? Um, no, I, I, I think he covered everything. I mean, I also I, I love Alex Smith um, as well. So Yes. Um, I, I think they're both really solid. Alex Smith is going to be 20. And he was top five last year. And, you know, Evan Silva recently said how, uh, you know, Jay Gruden's scheme has led to career best years for both Dalton and Cousins. And the fact that you're getting Smith at such a discount, uh, I just, I don't see how, how he doesn't return value. But I completely agree with Eli. I mean, how can you draft all those weapons in the first five rounds and then have Eli as one of the last students off the board? I'm a Giant fan, and I faded Eli last year. I don't have much of him this year. I do have some, uh, and but it's more about that I, you know, again, uh, I like Dalton, I like Carr, and I think that, um, you know, but I'll add one thing to the things you mentioned. Shermer has gotten career years out of guys that no one would have expected him to. I don't know what Eli has left in the tank, but if, if if it's true that what the Giants think that he does have something left in the tank with these weapons and with Shermer coaching him, I think he is a good value. Uh, Mike, we're going to go to running backs. Uh, pick one and give me 30 seconds on them. Uh, LeGarrett Blount, Matt Breida, Devontae Booker, and Buck Allen. That's tough. I actually like all of them. Um, but I will, I will actually go with Matt Breda. Um, my whole thinking, and, and I love McKinnon, don't get me wrong, but we have no idea if McKinnon can be a true feature back and hold up for the season. He's never been in that role. We don't know if he's capable of doing it. Breda's going in about the 16th. Um, he's, you know, they've, they've talked about how McKinnon's going to do the Devontae Freeman role, putting Breda in the uh, Tevin Coleman role. And so he's going to get some run regardless. And I just think if McKinney's not up to the task or if he gets hurt, great as a guy who could step in and possibly give you RB1 numbers. He can catch, he can run. Um, you know, for a 16th-round pick, I think his upside is fantastic. Dan, give us uh, one uh, one guy not named Breda, although feel free to say you like him too. 
Oh, I like Breda. There's no there's no question about that. <coughs> but I'll take Buck Allen. Um, and you can kind of throw Kenny Dixon in there as well. Um, I, I'm taking a little bit of Dixon, but I'm majoring on Buck Allen, um, you know, basically because what we saw was after Alex Collins took over that backfield uh, lead role, Buck Allen was still getting goal line carries. He was still getting targets in the passing game, and he was still getting spike weeks every now and then. And, uh, you know, you can get him for free. I mean, he's running back 64. He's available, you know, often in the 20th round. And uh, for somebody who scored as many points as he did last year and had as many big weeks, I mean, that's, you know, that's a perfect definition of what you want out of a 20th round pick. Um the reason why I think he's going that low is because there is that confusion about, well, now we have Kenny Dixon back, and what are we going to do here? Uh, but, you know, you got to remember that Kenny Dixon has three strikes against him. He had a PED suspension, he had a recreational drug suspension, and he had a pretty bad knee injury. He, he messed up his meniscus pretty bad where it had to be repaired. And, uh, you know, those three things are each one of them on their own are hard enough to come back from. And then you add all three together and, you know, I, I just don't have a lot of faith on, and I'll have a little bit of Dixon, but uh, mostly I just want to see him do it before I, I start drafting bucket loads of him. All right. So um, the tight ends, we've already kind of talked about two of these three guys, Tyler Eifert, Cameron Brait, and Ricky Seals and Croft Jones. I, I like, um, Eifert a ton, as I mentioned. I think Ricky Seals, um, if you need a third, you know, he's like the last guy in the tier of uh, before you really just guessing on tight ends uh, for me. So I think those are some good guys. I think the boys gave us some really, really great names, and we kicked it all around pretty well. Um, For those who've listened before, some of my names uh, late, are not going to be surprises, but I'll throw them out anyway to finish the show. I'm still drafting an enormous amount of Mike Wallace. Um, I typically don't have more than 25% of a guy. I've got 31% of Wallace. Um, Paul Richardson, I, I just think, you know, I think people Huge underestimate value. how, I, I just think people underestimate how good he is. I've got 25%. I haven't drafted him as much lately. Uh, because there's so many other guys I like for value, but John Brown, you know, pretty much you could take in the 19th round. Um, Health is the issue, but he is the the big play profile that you love out of best ball wide receivers. If he is healthy, um, I I love him. Corey Coleman, I've thrown that name out a few times. So uh, some Jordan Matthews as well, although that is a, a little thin. Uh, but I, I, I do like him a lot. So those are some of the names that the boys didn't have on their list that I do. Uh, another great show from both Dan and Mike. I want to thank you both for joining us. Uh, Dan, tell everyone how they can find you on Twitter. I am at Overhyped Sleeper, and uh, just dropped the last E out of Sleeper. So all one word. Mike, tell us how we can find you. You can find me at, at Mike C. Oliva, O-L-I-V-A. So it's just Mike C. O-L-I-V-A. And this was a Boys Are Back episode. Boys, it was a lot of fun. Looking forward to having-